This is Linux Unplugged, Episode 7, for September 24th, 2013. And welcome to Linux Unplugged, the weekly Linux podcast that keeps checking the source of the Steam countdown page, hoping for hidden messages from Gabe. My name is Chris. My name is Matt. Hey there, Matt. Welcome to episode seven, buddy. Thanks. Fresh off of the birthday weekend, too. Nice, man. Oh, I know. It's been great. It's just been one big whirlwind of acting like a complete nut job. It's been awesome. <laughs> I'm acting, you know what? I'm acting like a nut job tonight. I'm going carb crazy. I'm going to go. Right on. I'm going to be gluten it up, man. I got. So right now, <laughs> I'm drinking a gluten free hard apple cider. Because nice. I, I got to keep the glutens down because tonight we're going with a pasta with an Alfredo sauce. If I'm That's wrecked awesome. for tomorrow's unfiltered, you know why. I, I got oh, crazy. And I got to hook you up with some of the gluten-free recipes we got. My, my wife's got this an entire monster cookbook of, for people that really like to eat. <laughs> okay, you know? good. It's none of this sissy stuff. It's like food. We'll have to you share know? it. We'll trade notes. Yeah, we'll have totally. To share right? it. Yeah. Now, you know, uh, coming up on this week's episode, we're going to, uh, of course, of course, be talking about SteamOS, which was just announced by Valve yesterday. We're in the calm between the storms. Tomorrow, another announcement comes. There's, we'll be doing some speculation on what those announcements could be, but today I thought we'd kind of take a snapshot of where we're at with the announcement of SteamOS. We'll do a little speculation, but really, we're going to talk about what this can mean for Linux. We're going to talk about what this means for gaming, and and really what this means for an open platform in general. I, I think we're going to have a great episode. Plus, we're going to bring in our Mumble guys who are uh, always thinking about this stuff, always debating a good roundtable in there. Great be, opinions and whatnot. Yep. I think it's going to be a really fun episode, Matt. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know it is. And plus, then after this, I'm going to go gluten crazy. Now, it, you know, so. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, so uh, why don't we start with a little follow-up, as yeah. is per tradition, before we get into the main show. Uh, I wanted to read an email that came in from Jacob. Now, uh, Jacob was referring to last week, uh, we got kind of on the whole uh, Android discussion, and, and we called it the Android problem, if you recall, Matt. Mm-hmm. I remember. Well, Jacob thought it was an amazingly eye-opening episode and another way to look at Google. He says, one thing to note, on iOS 7, Google Chrome now, he says, maybe this has already been implemented on Android, there is a feature they ask if you want to turn on, which sends all of your internet traffic to some Google services for them to then compress it and send along to your phone. In light of recent events, i.e. Snowden, it would seem that they aren't just compressing all that data. Just something to think about. Great show, by the way. I just subscribed to the All Shows feed. Constantly refreshing, waiting for the next show to come out. So, yeah, I'm of a mixed opinion. So I talked about this a little bit yesterday on Coda Radio, Matt, but here's kind of where I'm at. I think you're going to appreciate the zenness of my, of my uh, sort of final okay. position here. Um, so one of the things that kind of got me all riled up was lack of updates, right? Mm-hmm. Google's bad original deals that sort of torpedoed the, um, the future update possibilities of a platform. Sure. Um, and, you know, then the, the, the way that some of the carriers can go crazy. And, you know, but thankfully there's alternative carriers now that kind of solve some of that problem. Where I'm at with Google now, it's like I just kind of like treat Google like I twi- treat my Twitter stream. 
uh, not my at replies, but just the front page of Twitter. Like I just jump in, right. I just see what people are talking about, and then I jump out. I, I'm not one of those people that needs to read the whole Twitter feed, right? Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I mean, like with Twitter, I literally I use it as my email forward. I, I just I I, I, I I pay very little attention about uh, what's going on there, but <laughs> but I really do. I mean, it's like I I I pay some attention to Facebook. I pay most of my attention to Google Plus, Twitter, not so much, yeah. which is ironic, being it's Google. I try to read but, all my replies you know, on on Twitter. Yeah, but like, I, I do. I, I will. Yeah, I generally do. Direct messages, I don't yeah. pay any attention. Well, this but, is hard, they're harder yeah. to find these days. But so yeah. that's how I'm going to treat Android. Like, well, when an Android release comes out, and I if I, if, if you know it meets the conditions of, of a platform that I want, I'm gonna I'll make a I'll make a precision strike. I'll sure. grab that device, going in knowing that you know, hey, maybe I'm going to have update issues. Hey, hey, maybe this is going to have uh, stuff bundled along with it, and I, if I want to fix that, I have to take certain steps myself. You know, right. I feel like doing that. Uh, sort of is like this. It's a, it's an acknowledgement of the limitations, and then just kind of deciding. All right, well, it still has enough incentives that I'm going to go ahead and go forward with it. That's where I'm at. Well, and for, for me, it's very app specific. When it comes to data, I'm naively ambivalent <laughs> about the whole thing. I, I tend to just live with my head in the clouds and figure, you know, I, you know, if they're going to want to know something badly about enough of me, they're going to figure something out. So I, I just don't get too excited about it. I mean, I, it irritates me, but I try not to focus on it too much because it just depresses me. Yeah. So, so I mean, quite honestly, so I, you know, I'm just, I am conscientious about what I'm searching for or what I'm doing on my phone. Definitely so. Even the apps I install, I'm very conscientious about it. But I would say for the most part, I'm pretty ambivalent about it. I don't think too much about it. Although I am having a, an app-specific problem that perhaps we'll talk about at the end of the show. Okay. But um, outside of that, no, I'm you know I I'm okay with it. Yeah, I still like I still like it better than iPhone. Let's get to the uh, let's get to the app thing because I watched something happen okay. over the weekend on the Play Store that I was pretty disappointed in. That I think is oh, okay. real low class of Google and, and Google Play. So I oh, want to yeah? talk. We'll talk about the end of the show if we have sure, time. Sure. Sure. Uh, one more piece of follow-up to uh, yesterday, or I'm sorry, um, Sunday's Linux Action Show. Blackout Worm on YouTube uh, was responding to, remember we had the email where the guy was like, gosh, I could switch to Linux, it's just that I really need iTunes? Right. And we were like, what does anybody, quote-unquote, need iTunes for? Well, see, and I had to ask my wife because I haven't a clue. I mean, she's the iTunes diva in this house. So I had to ask her. I was like, well, can't you do this over, over Wi-Fi? And she says, well, I think you can do something over iCloud. But she says, I honestly disconnect it to my – she just does the USB thing. Yeah, that's what my uh, wife does too. Yeah. And she just she's, – she, she, she told me, well, it works. Why would I change it? See, that's what I thought so, the reason was. Yeah. And I was like, okay, they just don't know about iCloud yeah. and the fact that, that iTunes syncing is probably going to go away. Yeah. Well, Blackout Worm wrote and he said – the only reason I would need iTunes on Linux is for streaming TV shows. And this is – he echoed a point that we heard from a few folks who said, I bought into the – you know, I'm a cord cutter and I bought into the buying Breaking Bad or whatever on iTunes. Right. He says Netflix and Amazon's library is peanuts compared to iTunes. iTunes has a lot of exclusives, meaning shows that aren't and will probably never be released on DVD or Blu-ray. As a Linux user, I really hate that there's little to no DRM support here. Can't get it working, nor MP4s that I bought from my iPad. I really wish that would change. As far as digital media goes, Linux is 10 years behind. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> it's just they're not included in these closed systems. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't even go, but the whole 10 years behind thing, it's like, it really just depends on how you go about getting your media. Well, and whose rules are you playing by? Are you, exactly. playing, are you playing by Apple's rules? Well, then, yeah, right. but of course, they made that only work in iTunes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. This, is, this is almost where I almost can see, ah, I hate going down this route, but, but you know, I talk about, Sometimes, sometimes to me, piracy the, the 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 piracy of content like TV shows to me can it, it almost feels like an act of civil disobedience in some sense because uh, it, yeah, it does in a lot of ways. It's like these artificial I mean, yeah. limitations that prevent you from getting it. 
Because it's not actually affecting supply and demand. It's not actually affecting a, a warehouse of goods. It's not, you know, it's not tangible. Um, you know, there's not a tangible thing people can point to. So yeah, a lot of people, you know, so that, that argument is, I think it's and, valid. And the unfortunate part is about it is like when you, when you pirate, you eliminate this DRM issue that Blackout Worm has, right? right? You eliminate this incompatibility. Like you just throw it on a Plex server and then you have it on every device everywhere right. at any time. And the whole, all the problems are solved. And there's like, there's this whole, and, and oftentimes it's higher resolution too, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a, a whole nother aspect to it. And so it's like, there's all these incentives and these DR, uh, all these walled off systems with DRM really to me just don't speak my language. They don't speak a long term solution to me. Well, they're not very effective. Absolutely not. I, I don't think they're effective at all. And I think that it really – it speaks to something when you can find that the, uh, a pirating ecosystem is actually more pleasant and usable than the official ecosystems that yeah, are yeah. authorized. And I feel like you as know, technology like, wow. has changed so rapidly in the last five years, content that – like for example, Blackout Worm has purchased – Content that he bought on iTunes doesn't scale to his evolving needs in a, in a changing technology platform environment. Right, However, right. content that he might have pirated, that's portable. That's, that's free. That's that's, true. You know, it's going to move that's around true. however he wants. It's, just a, it's, it's so dumb the way the system works. It is. And I also want to point out that uh, Angelo was, was kind enough to point out that, yes, you can actually sync over Wi-Fi. So his problem of needing that USB connection is really not needed. <laughs> you know, so Angela yeah, corrected that. I, yeah, I understand. So that's that. good to know. And, that's good to know. And so, but I also understand that, um, you know, pirating is not really a great option and it's not necessarily it's an not. option that a lot of people want to do. Well, and a lot of people can take more of a, I don't know, a looser. I, I've been known to, I, we have what we call mom flicks and that's my mother-in-law who has approximately 15,000 DVDs and I'm probably lowballing that. Um, any, you know, so anything I want, I can rip. You know what I mean? It's like it's yeah. problem solved for me. Yeah. So you know it works out pretty well from that. So I have that option as well. And if it's not available to me, then I probably don't need it that badly. You know. I agree, Matt. <laughs> that was perfect. I, I, I really, I really I think also <laughs> we just kind of need to put our big boy pants on and be like, fine. You don't want to sell me your content? Yep. I'm not going to buy it. I mean, we're right. willing to make that stance for open sourcing versus closed software. You know, Photoshop. You don't want to make your software available for my platform. I'm not going to buy it. I was able to do that with everything except Dexter and Breaking Bad. I just I had to have that. <laughs> you know, so I, could, I had That's to have fair. It. That's fair. I guess you know there is always yeah. that sort of uh, cultural um, experience, right? Like I uh, I am Absolutely. a Vic- Star Trek. You know, there's right. It doesn't yeah. matter. I would I would there are hoops I would jump through and have jumped through for Star Trek. <laughs> I mean, I have bought all that crap on Blu-ray or or yeah, right. or convinced family members to get it for me for the holidays. <laughs> you exactly. Know? That's so. where it's at. Yep, it's, that's where it's at. Like, get me Star Trek, you could do no wrong. Well, and to be honest with you, uh, uh, this is, again, another advantage to physical media in the sense that it's mm-hmm. easily back-upable, breakable, um, and then I throw it into an MKV file, and I'm, sure. and, and I'm good to go. I encode it with X264, and it sits on my, on my server. Um, and... It also is a higher resolution because it's from Blu-ray. That's right. And and then I use Plex to manage the the sampling. So if I'm watching it on my HTC One, Plex manages the downscaling for me. And you don't have to worry about it. It's great. It just it works really really well. I, and yeah. there's such great uh, Blu-ray uh, ripping software out there for Linux. It's like a no-brainer. Yeah, know? we did an episode a while back on last mm-hmm. um, on backing up that stuff. You know, the thing that I'm I'm really loving these days. Is uh, make MKV. I just think that's. Oh yeah, I, I, that's where I've been. I mean, handbrake's great. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just I don't need all that. <laughs> you know, I just need it simple. Right? Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, Ick Meyer, or uh, he told me how to say it, but it, I can't help but say Ick. He lives in Washington too. We just outed him. Oh, Sorry yeah. to do that on the air, uh, Ick. Anyways, he suggests that we need uh, 
uh, a JB Plex app. If anybody out there wants to make us a JB Plex cool. plugin, that would be awesome. Eichmeyer, sorry. Uh, and Linux newbie said, did I mean H.264 and not X? No, I mean, so, I mean, uh, H.264 is... Um, is uh, everybody knows what H.264 is. X.264 is an open source re-implementation of it, and it is so much better. Like, and, and this is coming from somebody who initially on X.264 was very skeptical. I'm very skeptical on WebM and VP8. I'm hopeful mm-hmm. for VP9. I've also been a doubter on um, Theora. I well, think Theora was Theora's been garbage as long as I can yeah, remember. Exactly. It's adorable, but it's just garbage. It's it's just not it's just not a serious solution no. for distribution of media. And I think that's one of the reasons why it struggled to take off. Um and so uh but one of the things and I was initially a skeptic of X two sixty four. Oh, it's just a you know, it's gonna it's a ripoff, it's a clone, how could it, it's always gonna be in, in catch up mode. Well, I was totally wrong about that. Uh, H.264 <laughs> stagnates for the most part because of the mm-hmm. a mass amount of interests that are involved with it. And X.264 has managed to maintain compatibility as needed. I mean, you do have to watch yourself. But uh, the everything about it is better. The picture it delivers is superior to H.264. It's open source code. That's superior. That's awesome. Um, and the encoding times are better because it's more efficient at, at taking advantage of multi-core. You know, my Bonobo, it will light up uh, all four real cores and all four virtual cores completely maxed out uh, as it rips through video using FFmpeg. Um, it's really great. So That's really awesome. Well, and, I, and if memory serves me, and it's been a while since I've tried it, uh, Og Vorbis, you know, for the audio stuff, I don't recall that being bad. No, you know. no, Vorbis is fine. It's, yeah, Vorbis you know, was great for audio, but yeah, yeah, it was the video where we always had the yeah. – it was muddy yeah. or it was choppy or Vorbis just, just suffers from that yeah. not not good – but not better enough than right. MP3. And since MP3 – Well, it's the same yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah. All right. Well, so uh, we, got, we got some Steam stuff. I mean this is – Oh, yeah. Psh, we knew. We talked about it on Linux Action Show on Sunday. We said Monday they're oh. going to announce this. I was watching the countdown that happened while we were recording Quarter Radio. So my my, my immediate – as the uh, as the page went live, reactions were captured in Coda Radio, and it's funny. And I don't necessarily think this was. I don't think this, I don't think this now. But at the time, my first reaction was, "Oh, this is a huge slap in the face to Ubuntu." Right. That was my 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 first immediate reaction was, "Oh, Canonical thinks or uh, Valve doesn't trust the Canonical is going to deliver on the desktop. They don't think they can hitch their boat to that way or their their cart to that wagon." Or to that horse? Well, you know, I think it's like the old saying go, goes, uh, you know, trust but verify. And I think that's kind of what they did. Um, I think they said, oh, yeah, no, we're, we're totally hip to you guys. But in, in addition to being hip to you guys and being down with what you're doing, we're going to go ahead and do this project over here just in case, you know. Well, and like so many people like to do, they're, we believe they're going to base SteamOS off of Ubuntu. But before oh, I think we so. get yeah. to all of that, Matt... I want to thank our first sponsor this week, Ting.com. Ting, Matt, Ooh, mobile that ting. makes sense. Yes, sir. Mobile that makes sense because Ting has no early termination fees, no contracts. Yeah, no contracts. Yes, that's right. No contracts. And you only pay for what you use. In fact, let's just start with this this week. One of the things I love about Ting is their rates. They break out your rates by minutes, text message, and megabytes, and they bill you at the end of the month for whatever bucket you fall into. So if you don't use your voice very much, but you use a lot of data like I do, well, then you end up paying an extremely reasonable rate. I think my bill right now is around $14. It's incredible. And since it's the way they base this is you can have multiple devices on one account with a pooled amount of minutes, you just pay that $6. It's a flat $6 for the line. Bam, you've got a line. You only, Then from that point on, you only pay for what you use. So if that if that device sits on your desk for a month, you don't have to worry about the gadget guilt of not using it. And Ting is making a lot of great new improvements. LTE lit up all over the place. They have a goal of 200 million people covered by LTE coverage by the end of 2013. They just turned on 34 new cities, tons of 
new coverage in Texas, and they just got the Moto X. This is probably the Android phone to have now, which shh, my HTC One is an AirShot. But you don't want to make it jealous, Chris. This uh, I know, I know, Matt. But this HTC One <laughs> is looking really, really good. But uh, if you're still considering something else, maybe something a little of the larger variety, like uh, oh, I don't know, the uh, new Note Three. Well, good news because Ting has announced that the Note Three will be hitting Ting. And now, Matt, you know, you know, when you have a big screen like that, oh, this yes. thing's going to sport a 5.7 inch screen. You ready for this? Three oh gigabytes of RAM and a Dude. 13 megapixel camera. Let me put this in perspective. My main desktop computer, not, not the one I'm on now, which has more RAM, but my main desktop has two gigabytes of RAM. I want to really let that sink in for folks. I think uh, <laughs> when you have a – people, if you haven't tried no. it on a large screen device, uh, the, when, you have, when you're taking a picture on something like the Note, the screen is so big mm-hmm. you get such a good you idea do. of what that picture is going to turn out like and the framing of it. So, the, so you know, man, Note the 3 coming gorgeous. out. They yeah. just rolled out the Note – I'm sorry, the Moto X. And the good news is, and it doesn't stop there, the LG G2, the high-end Android smartphone that packs useful features and a unique design with a 1080p 5.2-inch screen, 2.3-inch, or I'm sorry, 2.3 gigahertz quad-core processor, and a 3,000 milliamp battery, they're going to have the G2 coming out on the Ting network as well. That's also got uh, Android 4.2. It's got a tri-band LTE uh, um, antenna in that thing. And they've also got some new refurbished feature phones if you want something real straightforward. You'll see those in early October. Get something for the family, you know? And, and uh, I have a real quick, super quick uh, plug that I want to do for Ting that ex- I experienced and I talked about on the show last week. Yeah. And that was where I went a little bit over on my data. Not a lot, just a little bit. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm probably going to get rolled into the next plan, no big deal. You know, I'm going to roll it into the next bucket, rather. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Guess what happens? I get an email saying, hey, you went a little over. Um, we're going to eat that cost and we're not going to charge you extra for it. That's awesome, isn't it? What's up with that, right? It's, they're I mean, it's they're like, awesome. Whoa! Yeah, they're awesome. And now they have an early termination fee relief program. So if you're canceling a contract at your current provider, Ting will help you take the sting out of that. You just go mm-hmm. get your phone, port your number, then submit your ETF claim, and they'll take up to $75 off your ETF. That's a great deal. They've also uh, announced that they'll be rolling out a new LTE hotspot, the Zing Mobile Hotspot, My5 5000 LTE. Now, you combine the Ting Fantastic Rates... With an LTE hotspot and the right. fact that you only pay for what you use, so if you don't use it very much for a month or so, no big deal. That's a killer deal. That's, that's incredible. So go to linux.ting.com. Linux.ting.com will take $25 off your first device, or, or if you want to bring your own device, well, guess what? $25 off your first month. Since the average Ting bill is like 21 bucks, it might mean yeah. your first month is free. And then later on, if you decide you want to get the Moto X or you decide you want to do something else, you can. You can grab it and... Uh, Super easy to do through the Ting website to get them all set up and get it activated. And then you combine that with their super, super wonderful customer support, one 846 4389 You call in any time between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern, and a real person will answer the phone. That's just so great. That is so awesome. So go to linux.ting.com. And thanks to Ting for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. Big thank you. So there I was, the end of Coda Radio, and uh, Valve has to go and make a big announcement, Matt. And uh, (laughs) the thing that struck me in this announcement, just like, did not see it coming. Right. uh, And you... And, and to your credit, you totally, you totally, totally, totally called it at like the 36-minute mark in the Linux Action Show last week. I'm going to play a clip. <laughs> Steambox. And I think, you know, I look at what the Ouya did. We talk, we've covered it a lot on Coder Radio. I look at what a lot of these other companies are doing. 
I think Valve's the one that has the right approach. And the fact that it'd be powered by Linux makes me ecstatic. I, well, the more screw th- you, Xbox. <laughs> screw you, Xbox. I'm getting the Steam box. You know, the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking, keep going back to what he said about the whole uh, embracing the PC culture and the fact yeah. that you can expand on it, it's open yeah. and so on and so forth. What if the box is essentially a gaming thin client for your existing computer? Because if you think about it, it, so- it sounds dumb at first, but if you stop and think about it, it's like, Okay, I've got my Steam box. Okay, wow, you know, I really want to upgrade that hardware. Uh, yeah. Know. But if you have a box that doesn't care and it's pulling it in from, I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm just saying it's a possibility. I would I, You called it, Matt. You totally called it. That's one of the key features of uh, right. Steam OS. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Steam OS. Uh, so this was the teaser last year. We shipped a software feature called Big Picture, a user interface, 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 tailored for televisions and gamepads, gamepads, gamepads. This year, we're working on even more ways to connect the dots, 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 dots for customers who want Steam in the living room. Soon, we'll be adding your design process so you can help us shape the future. Now, here's what we've got. Steam OS, so far, what we know is going to be a platform by Valve that they're going to offer up for free for people to deploy on their hardware. They can make Steam boxes. Uh, we don't know for sure yet, but we believe that Steam will uh, and Valve will announce a reference platform that you should follow. It'll be NVIDIA-based. It'll probably be of the mid-range spec, and it'll be running Steam OS. Steam OS primarily is going to be based off Ubuntu. It has, of course, a Valve spin on it. There's already repos up online. There have been for a while. We actually covered them like like five weeks ago in the Linux Action Show. There's been repos that you could connect to. Um, They've been building them out. And they've been calling it Home Test, which has been Ooh. obviously short for people who have SteamOS installed mm-hmm. at home and are getting updates. This has been around since April. Wow. So this is all something they've been building, of course. They've been working with NVIDIA a lot. They've been working with the different, uh, um, different parties on, on getting like a, a debugger built for Linux. And I love those things because that's going to ensure not that it just exists, but it exists and it works really, really well. Right. So we've been, so mm-hmm. we've been seeing Valve very subtly, very intelligently move towards – the living room. One of the things that uh, is, I think, of particular interest is uh, 40% of all games on Steam feature some sort of, and by the way, I mean Linux games, 40% of all Linux games on Steam support some type, some level of controller support. So that amounts to 70, 72 games of the total that are available for Linux right now have controller support. However, when Big Picture Mode was launched last September, 23.7% of games available on Steam were listed with full or partial controller support. That was 382 games total on Steam. Of games that have launched on Steam since Big Picture has been launched, about 48.4% of all of the featured or a full fe- all of the games have featured or have full feature or partial feature for controller support, raising the total popu- population of games on Steam to nearly 30% or 617 games in total now on Steam have controller support. So they've been working on this for a while, right, as a part of that critical infrastructure piece. Then they announced, you know, we're going to also announce some AAA titles. Um, Nice. We assume those will have controller support. And they say, oh, and hey, don't worry. If you've got got a Steam library full of stuff, but it's on Windows, we're going to stream that for you. Oh, and by the way, don't forget, we've also just enabled family sharing. God, see, and that's something I got to hit you up on. I got to borrow some of those games. <laughs> I know, right? You, yeah, I, well, I, know, I got a sixteen-year-old over here. More, you know, games to be needing. I'll yeah. tell you, but I'm excited for this because now I'm seeing it from his eyes and you know, seeing it from a whole new perspective of the sense of discovery. And it's just so exciting to see this happen. You know. So my wow. uh, my 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 prediction is here that uh, we're going to have ourselves uh, pop maybe I don't think so, but maybe a hardware pre-order <laughs> tomorrow. I don't think so though. I think we're just going to see a reference. Design, but mm-hmm. I think we're going to see some sort of maybe potential partnership announced with NVIDIA. 
To yep. me, it seems logical that the streaming technology that they're talking about is the NVIDIA Shield technology. I think so. I think you nailed it. I think you called that one. I, I would completely agree with that. That's just making sense. It ensures that five, you know, two, three years, five years down the road, whatever it may be, there aren't going to be any conflicts or issues because that partnership's already in place. They have a, an equal interest in keeping that stuff on par. So, so this is, to me, there are so many interesting aspects to talk about this from what's it going to mean for Linux? What's it going to mean for other distros like Arch and OpenSUSE and Fedora? What's it going to mean? Uh, for uh, from for developers, I mean, there's so many different angles we can talk about. But before we move off from the launch day announcement and what was and what was announced, I want to open it up to the mumble room and say, guys, is there yeah. any aspect of the announcement or or something that came out in the news that was particularly noteworthy to you? Anything around with um, you know what you hope to see tomorrow announced? I leave that to you guys. Nobody. I was surprised, but by um, the. Of OS being able to use your Windows games on Linux, which time people do leave their computers running in an office while they're in the living room. So hey, right, you're going to have to have a machine running, it occupied to do that streaming because th- theoretically yeah. the streaming processing will take place on the Windows PC. But it's I over the it's- land, so it's not like uh, what OnLive was trying to do so much. This is true. I guess I'm just looking for if it has really good updating features because I know a lot of people don't want to deal with updates, especially on Linux. Right. Yeah. They'd have they they uh, they'd have they'd have to have their own system wide updater that uh, sort of took care of Steam updates, system updates, game updates, and I think you know uh, we've had we have I, I'll leave it up to the folks in the mumble room, but we've had folks in the mumble room who have connected to some steam repos pulled down some packages and seen that there is their own like valve updater in the repo hmm. and it doesn't necessarily sound like it has to be on ubuntu 12.04 either could potentially work on 13.04 um, that now that could be interesting although that's going to be an interesting release you know yeah i don't know yeah uh, all right well so here's where i think we should take this chat and i think this is something first thing i think i want to talk about is um so envision, I think we're going to envision something like an XBMC almost style distro right. based on Ubuntu twelve oh four. It boots up right in a Steam big picture mode, um, and uh, you know we've seen we've seen that you know Ubuntu has been Valve's focus since they started Steam for Linux. They already have a repository for it. I think this will be just something they'll make available to folks, um, and I think that they'll say we recommend these specs, we recommend this hardware, but you can do more video, you can do more CPU. But what I want to ask you, Matt, is what do you think this means? For OpenSUSE. What do you think this means for Arch? Honestly, nothing, because I think they cater to different groups of people. I think they cater to people with different goal sets and different interests. Um, you know, there's always that, you know, do we need to worry about some sort of evil division or whatnot? That, yeah, that I mean, do you e- think they're going to create – so Michael Dominic suggested that okay. perhaps they're going to Androidify only to be Steamified. It's going to be – maybe they maybe they're going to use, you know, their own display manager. Maybe they'll use Mir. Uh, maybe they'll use, you know, their, their, they're going to kind of – over time become their own integrated solution a customized separate kind of uh, oh i think Linux. so I, th- I think you know just like you know as you said android androidify i think you know you look at android and then you'll also look at the fact that other operating systems are actually finding their way into the world uh firefox for example things like that so going back to uh the steam os i think will that affect other distros no i don't i i think that there's enough 
non-specific interest to that space that everything will remain strong and as it is. I Now, that means that I do predict a lot of the sky is falling uh, from news outlets and mm. folks on blogs and whatnot. Everybody's going to be freaking out. Oh, my God, Ubuntu and, and Steam and all these guys are just big poo-poo heads and they're ruining everything. And we're going to hear lots of that nonsense like we always well, do. I but go it's, back, not, it's not going to happen. You know, you know? so I'll, I'll play a little bit of this clip. I'll go back okay. to something we played on Sunday. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, PC gaming... Seems to have been immune actually, to let me this. Back up, because we actually didn't play this part. Mm. Um, uh, in, in PC, to sort of double down on that rather than going that the way they that they should have responded is very much to uh, key off. And that was a very seductive. Uh, so one of the things opportunity. That, I'll let him play this. So one of the things Gabe talked about in his keynote is that locking down the ecosystem, integrating the streamlining, has actually led to less innovation, which has led to the decline of the industry. Interesting point. So he may not lock it down. It's very much to uh, key off of the strength of you know the openness uh, of the systems we had, and to sort of double down on that rather than going going the other way. So jumping forward, what are we looking at now? We're looking at steady year-over-year unit declines uh, uh, in, in PC sales. And so I think, I, you know, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm filling in and connecting a lot of dots for sure. him that could lead me to be very disappointed <laughs> down the road. But to me, it sounds like one of the things that's turned them on about Linux is the fact that it is the sort of, it's the... It's the internet of operating systems in the sense that it's this open, common, connected platform that anybody can put their goods on and sell. And, and right. I think what if, if Valve is successful here, Valve will take the term Linux and take the general public thinking around Linux to, oh, that scares consumers and it's too hard, so we're not going to brand Linux like Google doesn't brand, brand uh, the Chromecast as the Linux Chromecast, they just it's Chromecast, right? Because exactly. like yeah. we talked about last week, Linux is scary. <laughs> exactly, it is scary. No, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do. I do believe that at some level they may end up using something like Mirror, or they may end up using something that would arguably be quote unquote, you know, locked down in the sense that it's not as widely popular as something like Wayland or whatnot. Yeah, maybe. But that doesn't but that doesn't mean that they won't go and take this and uh, make this to where you can run it the way you want it. You can take their OS and run it on any darn thing you please. They, I, sh- I believe they'll make that possible. And they may even just go and do that through APIs and whatnot. I and, don't know. And if they're successful, you know? if they're successful at doing this, then they'll yeah. go from Linux is scary to Linux is the platform where there isn't a special interest controlling it and I can sell my stuff. And it'll have to be something snappier than that. It'll be Linux oh, yeah. is the internet of platforms or something ridiculous like cloud or vlog or whatever sure. or tweet. But it'll be like I think we could actually go from – to, to like Linux is this place where people are going to go to sell their goods potentially. We'll see. I don't know. Well, but it, I think it could at least help with the image of Linux quite a bit. One thing I've learned watching Steam over a period of time as well as watching other games in general, there are two industries in technology that define media formats and that define direction, porn and gaming. Right now, gaming's going with Linux. All we got to do now is get porn on board, and, we're, and it's good. Everybody's going to use it. And Linux. I wonder, too, if <laughs> Valve isn't sort of like the, uh, you know, like you're right. Like maybe it's gaming comes here first. And then other industries uh, join along. But yeah, there's those two defining industries that really historically define everything. I mean, they, they literally take direction of media, they take direction of uh, technology, even uh, DRM. Yeah, you know yeah. what? Uh, porn, it's weird, but it's true. Porn's going to have a hard time in uh, our stores. <laughs> I, I actually have something. Yeah, go um, ahead. Well, I, I just think if 
if uh, Valve does get successful at uh, boasting Steam and having Steam, Steam on Linux, I think most people's opinion will be like, Linux is for gaming because Valve made it very successful. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it could yes, it right. could change like uh, it could change like the whole perception around it, couldn't it? Because like it makes it makes Linux more appealing to say the younger crowd because the younger crowd obviously wants to have really awesome games and really awesome graphics at the same time. Right. Well, and I think Valve is in a I now okay so. I guess here's the question: Is uh, so Valve has a lot of clout. Steam's a great platform. Uh, I went and uh, I Wikipedia'd out the numbers here. Uh, here you go. Here's a here's a little bit of uh, uh, here's some math for you. Steam. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll start it this way. Uh, uh, Xbox Live has 46 million active users as of February 2013. Okay, Xbox Live 46 million. PlayStation Network. If you combine all of the PlayStation consoles. With all of like the Vita handhelds and all the handhelds they've sold, PlayStation Network is 100 million active users. That's quite a bit. But Steam actually has a very respectable 60 million active users. Wow. So if you get 60 million active users, you've got some leverage there mm-hmm. to incentivize game makers. And you could do it across the entire store. So you could say, all right, uh, big AAA developer, if you're willing to make the game for our Steam box, we'll give you a higher cut of your sales across the entire Steam exactly. store. Like, Valve has some room here to, you know, lean on developers to create something for Linux. So just- I think that's the key right there. I think if they say, look, you're already on these other platforms, you make these, mod- you know, you make the mod- needed modifications to come to us, we're going to give you a bigger piece of the pie. And, oh, by the way, this is a br- essentially a brand new market because they're opening up in the living room. Big deal, you know? It's a big deal. No doubt they have excellent pull against, you know, developers because they have a huge base to work off of. And a huge and a huge uh, customer base with a good with a good history of willing to be to buy products. You combine that with uh their their pushing forward on a lot of the fundamental aspects of Linux support. So they've been sort of changing that image already with making the game performance faster, uh develop, delivering their own games to Linux. Steam with their with a lot of the back end features of Steam. I mean, let's the, the elephant in the room is this is all commercial. This is all DRM, but the the plus the plus sides for Linux to me seem to be seem really quite obvious in this scenario. Right. I mean, this is this is a huge. This would be huge for Linux because it sounds like in everything we're reading and everything we can infer is this is this thing's going to follow pretty closely to mainline Linux. And I think what you'd end up having, for better or for worse, is a quote unquote official standard for us what what steam compatibility needs to look like and it's not like the standard in the sense that we went to a board and a board came up with a consensus that all distros will follow but what it is is that every distro that wants to make a steam game work can look at how it works on the steam os and then do whatever kind of silly hack they have to do to make it work on arch or open susa just like you know i mean we get pipe i mean hell man we can watch silverlight drm netflix videos now on linux the linux community is amazing and making things work under their distro that are not designed for their distro so as long but, but as we Chris, have a model to follow, which the SteamOS will be this quote-unquote game standard base that we'll follow. This will be the Steam base that we all follow now, and then we can make it, whatever they get working there, we can replicate it on different environments. Yeah, yeah but, but Chris, I kind of feel like that it's then also very important that in the upcoming announcements, there is going to be a Steam box, because without a reference implementation of the hardware, 
like a real reference implementation, it might not really take off as much as we hope. And then it's all been all for nothing. I agree. I think if, you know, yeah, I think, like it, okay, so here's the problem. So say they do a Google route and they make a Nexus device, right? Right. Well, who the hell is going to order anything but the Steam Valve box? No, I mean, that's, exactly. that sucks all the air out of the room. So uh, what they really need is to work with companies like Newegg. And have like the new egg Steam box, and we could have like a Linux Action Show Steam box, and then I, I, I agree that you need. I, I hope I hope that System seventy six might do something like that because the the only other device we have seen is the piston, and that thing costs a thousand dollars, and that's just too much. Well, isn't that the interesting thing? Is a company like System seventy six could uh, take a Steam box and make one, uh, but would would anybody but buy one if Valve made one? Could they make it cheap enough is really the hard thing to come up yeah, with. Yeah, I don't know. Because Sony and Xbox and Microsoft sort of have this economy of scale where they can make things cheap and then they can charge for licensing and games and they can charge for Xbox Live and whatnot. But what does, Steve, what does Valve really have? Maybe a they cut of the action. They take a hit I, in their hardware. Maybe a I cut of the action? What if Valve gave uh, – so if System76 or somebody else, you know, whoever yeah, I makes what one, you're do they give Valve – they give them a cut. Hey, you get 10%, yeah. 20% of the purchase of every game. Uh, and Maybe. To um, kind of, go ahead. Okay, with regard to that, we, if it is that Steam bless one particular vendor over another, then you would have people who don't know about Linux, don't know about companies like System76 and so forth, that will eventually have to go to these companies to get their stuff, just as well as... Um, I, of, I think you might have a couple of quote-unquote blessed vendors, but it's going to be an ISO yeah. you can download, I think. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. It just makes sense because it's, it's, it's as much coverage as possible. I mean, as far as getting back to the Steam box itself, one thing that we really need to remember, too, is that if you're married, um, you generally have to consider what I like to call uh, front room real estate. Yeah. And there's, uh, there's, uh, there's, you have certain consoles that, are, that have been blessed to be there. They serve their purpose. But to add another console and then to have to argue, well, now we're going to need a bigger cabinet or, well, we're going to have to rearrange that. As silly as it may seem, that does come up. Um, it's, you know, it would here anyway, yeah, and so that you know, yeah. so size and proportion, and and, and I think the it, question would be asked: Does it yeah. play Netflix? Does it play Netflix? Yeah, seriously, no, that's a legitimate question. Does it play? Does it play either games and or content that your spouse is into? Yeah, um, that, on, the, that on the page, it on really the page, does. it states that they are talking to uh, right. content providers. It's vague, though. It's vague. Good. That could be a yeah. YouTube app, for all we know. Right. Oh gosh. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> and uh, will just to kind of answer your question about hardware costs. I mean. You got the Linux kernel, so it's pretty much adaptable to anything. So, right. well, it's adaptable, but you still have to have something that runs the games right. well. And so, it's kind of hard for them to vet it. It's not like the Xbox, where you have this fixed platform, and so all the software vendors sort of have a target hardware spec when they're designing the games. This thing needs to be very powerful to accommodate almost any game sold right. by Steam. And I think so. That's a little bit more important. The, the streaming kind of alleviates some of that. In fact, that gives right, them some flexibility, right? right? So, I also. I also think that because Valve was working with like NVIDIA about drivers and stuff like that, I do think they also need to work with AMD, but that's just my opinion. Oh, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. I think they would have more or less standard specs that will work with any game. And seeing that they have certain vendors who would be blessed, like, for example, they're working with NVIDIA, people would tend to work towards getting NVIDIA drivers working with their games and um, continue on that part. I think that Valve just needs to really focus and make sure they get this on the dot is to have driver implementation correct. Yeah. Yeah. And because because Valve has been uh, doing business with Nvidia, they might already have a deal for a chip they can put in their box for a very good price. They might. 
I think price is crucial because they need to meet the price point of the PS4 and the Xbox One in order to get that console market share to get it really going and soon. Mm-hmm. And if they do that, then I, the developers will come to them to make the money. I, think I don't right. think that will be hard. I think the way this has to work out, and I mean, the way I'd like to see it work out, is if Valve could make a box where, you know, if I just fall ass backwards into buying a Steam box, I, I land on this thing. Like, give me something for just the, the most simple, basic consumer to go purchase. Yeah. Maybe it's advertised in the Steam store itself. Maybe I could even sure. buy it through Steam. Um, and, and then, but then make it available for anyone to build one. And the reason I think that is because, like, I was picturing pitching this to an Xbox fan. And, like, I think the question they would ask is, well, what controller can I use? And my answer That's would be a good point. My yeah. answer would be like, well, Valve has a really great controller they spent a lot of time coming up with. But actually, any controller that works with Linux, you can use. You, if That's you want right. to use the 360 controller, you can. You want to use the PS4 controller, go for it. And so yeah. I think you know they need like. They need like the one-click purchase box that just comes with everything. That that's the one you get at Christmas. That's the one that you know a real average user gets. But then later they could start building their own. The next time they get one, or they could, you know, swap out the controller for their favorite console controller. And I think if they if they can walk that line, I I agree with the mumble room. If if they don't really have something in 2014 for me to buy, well then they better work really damn close with a few OEMs to have something, and it better be like. It better feel just like buying one from Valve. They just the con- need a. Sh- Go ahead. The controller point's well, a good one, but one controller I'd like to see is just the standard keyboard and mouse. Because for me personally, I'm an RTS fan, and I can't right. get that on a console. I think that's gonna have to. I mean, I think well, I, I, I think they'd have to. They'd have to probably you know hard code it not to work. <laughs> yeah, and that's the beauty of it being Linux is that that's something they should embrace. That you can use a keyboard and mouse. You can use your preferred uh, controller. And I think that, at the end of the day, which you know, would that's be great. my preferred controller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gonna be that's gonna be one of their major curb appeals right there. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Because I was, I was talking to my nephew about this. He's 16. He's like, "Well, can I use can I use my can I use the controller that I use on my existing console?" And I said, "Probably." And he said, "Well, I'm on board." <laughs> you know, he was good. He already has Steam games. He's good. So, yeah. what do you guys think about this streaming capability? Is this a band aid or is this like a long term? Okay, here's the way I see it. It could be a a bullet point to address the lack of AAA titles in the library. 200 Linux games and only a handful of them are the ones people are like totally clamoring for, uh, or or it could be a long-term strategy to say, kind of like Matt was saying in last, you know, this is really just a thin client. And while, yeah, you can play native games on it, uh, if you want to use this thing for five, five years, good on you. Just keep upgrading the video card in your PC, and we'll just keep streaming it for as long as you want. Is oh, this yeah. a short-term thing, or is this a long-term thing? I think it's both. Um, there's going to be some people that uh, are just going to really want that thin client solution. And there's also some developers that will refuse to develop on Linux until it's inevitable that that's the primary gaming platform. Sure. And then there's going to be other developers that rush to support it. So I think it's really going to be both solutions, short and long term. I do think that I do think that they should probably work on trying to entice developers and show that it's actually easier to work with Linux than it is to work with Windows. Because the thing with Windows is that its kernel structure, yeah, it's very stable, but it's not that fast, and you don't get the good performance, and you don't get to have the capabilities that you do with Linux. Also, I, I, I feel like um, NVIDIA has this entirely new technology, the streaming technology uh, developed and this is for them also a chance to make it like a standard and so therefore you agree it's going to be the nvidia streaming tech 
Yeah, because uh, this is a chance for uh, Valve as well as for NVIDIA. Yeah, the consoles went with AMD, so NVIDIA could really sell some units here. And so I, I wonder then, if this is NVIDIA streaming tech, uh, it sounds like we're, I mean, to me, although even, and I don't know where this squares with NVIDIA saying they're going to provide documentation to the Nouveau project today. When you look at this, this is this to me seems like one of these features that absolutely will, will require the, the uh, proprietary NVIDIA driver. It would. It definitely will. See, Alan in the chat room thinks that uh, um, streaming will never work. It never works for games. Now, I don't know. I don't know. See, I'm, I'm of, of a slightly different opinion because for me, I, I actually was able to play on live um, fairly successfully. And on live was going to servers up in the cloud. Now, we don't know for sure, but I think everything points to the streaming is going to happen over the LAN. But, you know, where, where you're going to run into issues is everybody has really crappy Wi-Fi, right? Every, no, at least in average homes, nobody's got <laughs> right. their Wi-Fi figured out. There's a dozen different Wi-Fi, you know, uh, APs just in range within, within my house. Sure. So people who are not wired are going to constantly, you know, have problems, I would think. Then it will my, scale down to 480p. My answer to Alan... My answer to him saying that streaming won't work, I think OnLive kind of failed just because they didn't have, like, the coverage. They didn't have all the servers in place as they do now. Uh, I mean, I played OnLive for a while. I mean, it wasn't good because I wasn't in, like, a closer coverage area. But if they had more servers in, like, say, one in Iowa or something like that, I would definitely be playing that, and it would have been great. Yeah, and I think, you I know, think- Cheeseburg in the uh, burglar in the chat room makes a good point. You know, average Joe isn't probably going to be too impressed with the answer. Yeah, I can play your games. Is Well, I actually I take that back because if you're asking the question, can it play Game X, then you probably already have a PC and you already have that game and you want to be able to play it. So maybe actually... But taking it into the living room gives you better two-player ability. You don't want to share your keyboard and mouse at your desk. So you're assuming they can work, still yeah. play it back at the desk. I would think well, it would take yeah. almost all the resources to just... Because you're gonna—I mean, the game has to—the game has to well, essentially mean, run. I don't mean two-player, as in one person sitting at the desk oh, and one okay. person sitting in the living room. I'm talking about person A, person B, both watching the same TV in the living room. Yeah, yeah. Con- console style, yeah, yeah. Because it is well, a console. I think the streaming is also an enticement to developers. Um, if their game doesn't play as well over streaming and Steam picks up uh, momentum, then they're going to want to develop natively for Linux so that it is competitive. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It- yeah, I think that that would be the main point. Um, most of the games that eventually, especially Windows-only games, they'll start to see a dip in their games being played or being purchased because people want to use the Steam Box or the Steam OS because they can actually play it on larger screens and everything like that. So eventually they would have to move over their games being played on Linux and will actually be win-win. Right, because in the other distros, we'll see how they got it working on SteamOS and make it work on their distro of choice. Exactly. And that's exactly. going to be Def- huge. Definitely see, graph I, you know, I almost wonder if we're going to see something to where maybe it's kind of a hybrid to where, okay, you've got the uh, – you, you, maybe you've got like some local resources cached on the console itself and then the rest of it's being streamed in to where – basically where it you know, kind of uh, minimizes any from uh, congestion. Yeah, from Valve. You know, I think, people, I, think, I think people would actually prefer that. I think people would prefer to be able to stream it from Valve because yeah. then you could have somebody playing on the PC and you could have somebody right. playing on the – yeah. I, well, and if you cache local resources, like you cache in your – you got your maps cached, you got – Various, uh, the problem is rendering, like is rendering, right? 
That's where the yeah, that's where the render, and that's where the C, that's where the GPU is going to have to really mm-hmm. you know the whole Nvidia thing comes into it. So I mean, if they can kind of find that balancing act where you know there's still some there's still some caching going on locally, you still got enough to where it's not just raw data going back and forth like crazy. It's basically just gameplay, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. you know, well, if you did it right, uh, and essentially what OnLive did, and this is why I think you could almost do it over a LAN, is mm-hmm. OnLive took uh, uh, either X264 or H264 and forked it essentially and created their own video codec and they would actually render it as video and stream the video to the online which is device. what the shield does yeah exactly it takes it mm-hmm. before yeah. it goes to the hdmi port on your graphics card if i'm right so if you can if you can support you know a one to four megabit transfer rate over your homeland that's essentially all you need to be able to stream that video bit rate because you're not actually streaming the raw data of the vectors and all of that you're just streaming the end output video Right. That's pretty much every network. Right. So yep. it maybe is a little a little pushing it for broadband connections for some folks, but it, it should work over. That should work even over Wi-Fi. Should work. I would think yeah. so. Uh, yeah, I would think so. So I'm. They could probably drop the resolution to 720 without too many people noticing too. The thing I think part of it that I'm reason why another reason why I'm kind of excited about it is because it's Gabe and it's Valve. Right, I, I, if, if this was EA or you know Activision, I don't know some company right. saying they're going to make their own box. I'd be like, okay, good. Well, Sega. I'll yeah, look exactly. forward to that bastardization hitting the market soon. <laughs> because know? Valve has a because Valve has a good track record with their with their comments. Well, yeah, I mean, just Gabe, you know, just totally uh, with sort of, sort of. I mean, it, it makes so much sense with that why he was saying what he was saying at that keynote. It's, he's mm-hmm. laying it all out there, saying this is the rationale. And then when when the news hits, you you know, you have this total framework to 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 view it all in. I mean, it was pretty exactly. pretty brilliant. It was good staging. Um, I'm curious to see where it all goes, man. Yeah, I am too, and I think whoever did their marketing did a really nice job. I mean, it was presented in a way of here's why I care. Love me a good um, countdown. You know. Yeah, exactly, right? You know, get you excited, you know? <laughs> One thing that I find... I, I, think, I think that at the end of the day, Valve should more or less focus on um, organizing themselves. Remember that they are just a platform in order to sell games. Make sure that the development platform is good for the developers. Um, probably get one or two blessed vendors for the hardware but mainly focus on getting their stuff ported over to Linux so that the developers are easy to move the tra- to make the transition across to, yeah. to Linux so they that be they can stores. get their game cells. Right, yeah. And if it is that they can do that, the hardware aspect of it will come eventually, whether people like it or not. They would still be able to get, whether it's System 76 or Dell for that matter, might want to jump on board because they see that mm-hmm. Hey, everybody wants to play games on Steam and every, and Steam using Linux. So we need to, in order to get in on this, we have to be able to supply people with what they want. Well, you have a you have a, you're going to have a whole range of people who just want to play some of these side-scrolling platformers, or they just want to play some of these lower-end games, and they could just and as long as they're happy with streaming too, if the streaming actually works, you could take uh, you could take an old box and uh, just load the Steam OS on it and call it exactly. good and. You know, it doesn't matter if it can't play all the games natively because the streaming's there, and it could exactly. be this great use. And if they tie in kind of video media playback, like I'm mm. talking local LAN playback, give me a little MKV support, maybe even a little <laughs> Netflix action. Action, I'm putting this on every TV in my house. Exactly. That's. I think that's kind of what they're aiming for. I really do. And I think by hitting 
basically looking at what the other consoles did wrong, and that's, of course, you know, Wii is targeting nothing but family use only and any serious gamers laughing at it. Uh, Xbox and PS3 completely alienates most family folks and definitely into more of the people that really like to play games. Um, I think by hitting that middle ground, and I think they can by having the side-scrollers as well as the hardcore games, I think they're going to be able to hit all the nails in the head. Well, and I think, too, you have to look at some of this stuff in the perspective of a struggling middle class, an economy exactly. that is continuing to uh, have to make tough choices about what they spend yep. their money on. And if I've got a two- or three-year-old machine that can run SteamOS just fine, yeah. if I, assuming I'm okay with streaming a portion of the high-end games, then to me, it's almost, a, it's almost a slam dunk because I get a console out of reinvesting in hardware I already have. It's always, that's always been a great sales pitch for Linux usage. It's always been a fantastic use for it. And now... Now we actually have a console contender, and, and so Valve is throwing their hat into the console ring by not creating one console, but by creating a platform and then letting the community build around it, and I, I'm pretty excited about that. Makes complete sense. All right, we're going to keep digging into this, and as we get more information, maybe even get our hands on SteamOS, we'll talk about it more in uh, the Linux Action Show map. But I thought we should probably get to a couple of email items that came in. Yeah, good plan. And uh, before we do that, I, want, I wanted to actually make a special mention. So uh, I would talk about this pretty pretty much as uh, as frequently as I feel I, we people will tolerate and that is our uh, affiliate system they have we have links at the bottom of the Jupiter broadcasting website we also have chrome and firefox extensions this is why i'm bringing it up ah the topic of the day yes we did an update uh, and i think it's really only chrome that bit us in the butt but we did an update to both to support new sites and to also kind of handle the properly handle the way when people click on an affiliated link on somebody else's site to make sure our link doesn't override it. That required a re... re uh, I don't even really... I don't really think it changes much except for the way it just reads the URLs. Um, and anyways, that requires a reauthorization. We've had a massive drop-off. A huge, huge drop-off. Well, and I almost wonder if people are... It's Maybe they are aware of it, but they don't know... If they already have the old one installed, Like, do they know how to go it's into extensions? It's super subtle. Yeah, you got to yeah. hit like the little hamburger menu yeah. and then go down and what, there and say re-enable. What's that look like? Maybe show us what a hamburger the menu looks like. I don't have a shot of it. But oh, you don't have a shot? That's fine. So you know, it's up there in the upper right-hand corner. Yeah, exactly. It's that, it's yeah. that three dot, that three line. It's, they call it okay. the hamburger menu. And it's in there, you reauthorize it. We had a huge drop-off, so uh, our, our um, expenses are super tight when that goes away because the way we do it is we have advertising that pays for a certain running amount, and then we have uh, a good portion that comes from the affiliates, and that sort of balances out where our different revenues come from. But if either one drops off significantly, it, it really hurts the production. So if you would check that and make sure it's enabled, and if you don't already have our browser extension, well, you can find it linked to the bottom of Jupyter Broadcasting for Chrome or Firefox. We'd really appreciate it if you grab that and help us. We have huge plans for 2014, and uh, I, I've, I've been kind of uh, discovering over the last couple of weeks there's a lot of local listeners, Matt. Oh, oh, that reminds oh, yeah. me. Oh, so okay. So we have a lot of local listeners, which how cool would it be to do an Unplugged with a few people in studio? Dude, that would be awesome, yeah. right? Uh, okay. So this is, I probably should have brought this up to you off air, but I'm just going to throw this out there. Is I okay. think yeah, one of the things we could do in, 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 in a future. Uh, sure. Where everything is, everybody has infinite time and organization capabilities. <laughs> you know that future that we talk about all the time? Yeah. Uh, wouldn't it be fun to take a Tuesday and like go do something on location, do an unplugged on location, and while we're doing that, record a segment for that Sunday's last. So sort of kill two birds oh, with one ooh, stone. Ooh. So we take a Tuesday, we do, yeah. the, we do the unplugged show on location, maybe do like a meetup type thing. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and, and I, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I was in, this was all while I was naked. I was in the shower. I uh-oh, think I was. Uh-oh. I think Metal I pictures. had. I probably had soaped my body, but I don't think I had put any uh, shampoo on yet. So just that's about that stage in the shower. And, and why do I picture you with microphone in hand this entire time? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, oh, definitely. Yeah, I got a waterproof microphone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. And uh, so uh, 
I was thinking it'd be really cool. Like the, the scenario I came up with was a beer tourery because we, you know, mm-hmm. we've met folks that run their 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 breweries on Linux. I, right. I was thinking real world local Washington implementations of Linux in their work environment. Something, you know, not so much like, here's our Samba server. I mean, that's cool. I mean, good on you. But we can't really make a segment out of that. But, like, if you got, like, a brewery running Linux or a farm running Linux, oh, dude, a farm would be awesome. Anything running Linux that we could go look at and shoot a segment for for last, I'd love to do some on-location stuff for last. Just kind of kick things up a notch. And then we would do, like, a meetup somewhere around there, and then that's when we do Unplug. So we'd be, like, killing, like, basically we'd take a Tuesday and just knock out Unplugged and a segment for last and just have a ton of fun. I like that idea. Yeah, I think that I, I don't see any reason why we couldn't. It's an really example have... of some of the things I want to do, and there's there's some ways I want to facilitate that, and I, I have some great ideas for 2014, but we really need folks' support, so if you please click those affiliate links and grab those browser extensions, it helps us plan for that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Otherwise, we're going to have to start doing, like, uh, you know, <laughs> save the children PSAs and yeah. stuff. Uh, today on Seriously, Unplugged, yeah. instead of doing a show, we're just doing a uh, pledge drive. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Just, uh, we're just going to keep talking. We'll keep talking. You know what we'll do is we'd talk about uh, iPhones until people pledged, and then when people pledged, we could talk about Linux. And then once the, like, timer had run out, we'd have to go back to iPhones. Basically a torture technique. Or it has us like rummaging around various dumpsters looking for food because you guys aren't supporting us with our. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, we we take glass and convert it into a uh, right. dumpster diving. Uh, exactly. Dumpster diving action show. Okay. <laughs> hey, this could run Linux. PCs out of the dumpster, right? Oh my gosh. Okay. Go, so yeah, it's up to you, yeah. fellas. It's yeah, up to you, fellas. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see where it shakes out, man. All right. Well, Matthew <laughs> wrote in. He said, "I've been an Arch user for over a year now, and I and it's basically because of the awesomeness of Make Package and Make MPKG. Uh, the problem I'm having is that I can't find." a desktop environment I like. Here's why. I'm a typical user. I'm not a typical user, I don't think. I spend 99% of my day jumping between terminal and web browser. I don't like messing with my desktop. I want to look decent, but basically out of the box and get out of the way. I'm using Cinnamon right now, but I've tried Elementary OS after your review, and I really like Pantheon. Based on this, I'm leaning towards installing Elementary and running Arch in a VM. Uh, That said... He says because he maintains a couple of packages in the AUR. Good on you, Matthew. He said, that said, there are still some apps I require the latest versions of, like Gix and Git, I'm sorry, and Tmux. Uh, so I'm planning on just compiling the latest versions of those myself on, say, like elementary. Uh, I realize this may not work for everyone, but the for the DevOps, for DevOps sysadmins like myself who don't like to uh, um, waste time tweaking the desktop, it's becoming the ideal solution. I mean, I think we kind of zeroed uh, in on that's who elementary else would be good for. The part yeah. I don't agree with is... I mean, it sounds like maybe he needs, like, you know, Xmonad or uh, Awesome Window Manager. I mean, It, it kind of like- does, yeah, and that might be something for him to explore as well. And I'd also chime in on the whole Arch and a VM. Do, just do yourself a favor and do a separate partition, honestly. Yeah, you'll, I mean, you'll be so much happier for it. Especially when you're doing from the AR and you need to build, right? I just uh, Building in a VM is like, ugh. Well, and just Arch and a VM in general, just getting it set up, it's actually – Massively simpler on a partition than it is in a VM, based on my experience. LXDE, Just there was less issues. We got a recommendation yeah. from uh, yeah. Ick in the uh, chat room that uh, LXDE <laughs> would be good. Um, I, I guess I think that uh, I think that really I, I'm still so I switched back to GNOME for a couple of hours this week and then decided <laughs> to go back to KDE because KDE <laughs> really? is yeah you know with all the extensions I had I had extension problems again and I just felt like you know with KDE I can make it be what I want and even if it right. takes a little bit of tweaking. Um, so I think, I honestly think, I do see how the, maybe try to just experiment with getting the Pantheon desktop running under Arch. I know there's people out there working on that. See if that gets you where you want. Then try out elementary OS. Sure. All right. Jonathan writes in regarding windows. Uh, I'm not sure where this fits, but I just wanted to send it to you guys. Uh, I'm more or less left on windows in the windows world. 
uh, and I've been stuck in the XP era. Every time I had a, to take a quick trip into the Microsoft pool, it left me with shivers, viruses, stupid GUIs, and infinite reboot bonanzas. <laughs> and he's come to an epiphany. He said, I think I finally understand why Windows has ruled the enterprise desktops for so long, despite all of the shortcomings he just listed. He says, I'm interning at a large IT company, which means someone else does all the rebooting, virus scans, and whatnot. In that setting, Windows is very usable. <laughs> Only the bad UI is left to deal with, and of course, IE. And he's got a great point, because in <laughs> Enterprise, IT pulls their hair out with all of the problems Windows has. <laughs> and the end users are la di da di da circus yeah. music's going on Which in their is, head. They don't have a clue. You know, early on was one of the uh, motivations to getting Windows out of my home. Is yeah. I, you know, I, uh, I, don't, I can't remember what OS Andrew's on. I mean, this is probably Windows 2000 before I switched her to uh, OpenSUSE and KDE. Uh, and I just, you know, I'd come home and she'd have Windows problems, printing problems. And right. I was just like, oh, yeah. No! I don't well, want yeah, and, for, and for me, it was like I was literally – I'd already been running Linux for some time, but I went exclusive Linux when I found out that – I think it was uh, WinFS. You know, I was looking forward to that file system with all the neat features they're babbling about. That wasn't going to happen. I'm like, that's it. <laughs> if I hear the word NTFS one more time, I'm going to shoot something. I just I couldn't handle it. He also like that, uh, that he, need, it. he needs some advice from you, Matt. He says I've been mm. forced uh, through this company to use mm. Internet Explorer exclusively. <laughs> I'm in need of some therapeutic tips to get that dirty feeling off me when the workday is over. Any advice? Uh, kill it with fire. Um, yeah. That's the first. Or actually, burn. Some, yeah, like get try and find like an old IE5 CD. You know, they used to come in packages. Get some of those. Light them on fire. Do a barbecue. You know, that could help. I don't know, man. That's that's tough. Uh, spend some quality time with candlelit, candlelit Mozilla. You know, just kind of get it around your monitor. Get some uh, Barry White going. You know, you know what so. I would do honestly too is like sometimes you need to like relive how bad it used to be in IE land. So like go like find a VM <laughs> of like Windows ninety eight with like IE three oh, or something, oh. and then live that for a day, and then be like, wow, oh. this new IE is great. It's really great. <laughs> oh, it's and it's not. That's the horrible part. Uh, Kiwi in oh. the uh, chat room says that uh, he could just drink heavily. That could also. Yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah. and uh, beer goggles and ice uh, looking pretty good. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so we we had an, an email that came in from Ridison, who is a Manjaro Linux user, and he wanted to talk about nice. SteamOS versus Ubuntu Edge. I started to get through it, and he, you know, I was going to read because he says. Last is my favorite podcast of all time. He looks forward to it every week. And I thought, well, okay, I got to read this guy's Starts email. off strong. Yeah, yeah, right. But it's very long. Uh, but what he says is he thinks it's an interesting correlation to look at sort of the um, big run-up to Ubuntu Edge and then the sort of immediate drop-off where Valve has sort of taken this different approach where they've started um, very small. You know, make this work better. Uh, like Gabe called it the sweater, um, the sweater approach, where they pull a st- what one thread and then it just leads to the next thread and leads to the next thread. And they've been making those things better. Whereas Canonical is kind of like, put everything out there, let's go, let's do this, buy it. We don't even have all the bits done yet, not all the infrastructure done yet. But if you if you commit to this, we we can tr- we can get try to get it done. Uh, he says that he feels like uh, that uh, it requires large companies like Valve who have deep pockets to make this possible. He says, I look forward to the crazy future of Linux, but I resent that it does take these huge companies like Google and Valve, you know, of course, Google with Android, to push it forward to public adoption sometimes. However, I feel like Gabe understands and respects the philosophy of open source more than others and actually use the word Linux on the Steam OS announcement page, unlike wow. certain popular distro that makes no mention of Linux anywhere on their website <laughs> or mobile OS. Uh, I truly feel Steam OS is pure Linux's chance to gain market share and a user base it deserves. Even if users are unaware that they're running it, which considering the state of some computer users' knowledge comes to as no surprise. Sorry for being so long, but I'm really excited and keep up the great work. A Manjaro user. And you know wow, he's right. This, to digest. <laughs> this could be um 
This could be like uh, this could I don't know I don't I don't want to be too crazy but uh, you know if you look over history the right. the common platform eventually takes over like you start yeah. with individual things like very purpose built operating systems very purpose built devices that really only do one thing and then as as the general technology advances and becomes more powerful. Uh, it just becomes ec- economically more viable to use that technology than to continue to create your own technology every single sure. time, uh, a la, you know, these individual platforms that we have now. So mm-hmm. it kind of, you know, I've always kind of seen a day and age where um, these big guys move on. Microsoft moves on, Apple moves on, and what we're left with is a really healthy Linux ecosystem because Linux has kind of taken over there. Linux kind of moves into mobile, Linux moves into the living room, Linux moves into the desktop. Mm-hmm. And over time, it's on the server, it's on the cloud, it's on the work, you know, it's everywhere. Because as people leave that area or the, or the common generally available platform becomes good enough, it just becomes almost crazy not to use it. That's and right. uh, Steam could be, SteamOS could be the beginning of that takeover, not just from a TiVo standpoint, but from a really large-scale deployment standpoint of, of an ecosystem where people are actually making money, people are actually developing and creating something of, of, of extreme value. And I, I'm, I'm, really, really, I'm really excited that it's Valve doing it, and I'm, I'm really interested to see the kind of opportunities we're going to have in last to cover this because there's tons of potential for them to screw this thing up royally. Oh, yes, yes, there is. Right, and we're going to be there to watch that happen if that does happen. But there's also opportunities for, like, what's the best way to build out a Steam rig? What's the cheapest Steam rig you can buy? What's the nicest Steam rig you can bu- you build? You know, oh, it's endless possibilities, yeah. endless possibilities. Yeah. And then just watching adoption as well because, you know, as we all know, uh, computers are nothing more than how do I accomplish blank. It, we, we really mo- – most people don't really pay a lot of attention to what the OS is. It's how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I Skype? How do I browse the web? How do I send an email? How do I game? And what I'm and liking Valve so – Valve is going to be sending the game. And what I like about that is it, it's totally solving that problem. At exactly. The, at the same time, like you could be completely checked out of the whole Steam ecosystem. You could never buy a title. You could never use Steam OS. You're still getting better kernel X. You're still getting better NVIDIA Y. You're still getting all of these improvements that they're making that are going to hit the rest of general Linux. And that, to me, is also sort of like this everybody wins scenario here, if it's successful, yeah. right? I think it will be. I think, and I think the advantage they have is that they don't have the pressures that, say, Apple or Microsoft have from shareholders. Now, that's not, and I, I don't know what Steam, I don't know what Valve's exact corporate structure is. Last time I checked, I think they're privately held, which is if they are, stay that way, you'll be happier because <laughs> um, it's less headaches and you can go long game. If once you go once you go public, you're short game, and so that limits your options. So yes, I think in the long run they will be successful. It may not happen all at once. It may they may have some bumps in the road. They may even have some costly mistakes, but I think. Because they're taking that sweater approach, it's going to work out for them. Yeah, because they're doing all of the really you know low level grunt work right. that has to be done first, and not just building the flashy presentation on top of all of that yeah. first. Like they're they're doing the stuff that you know general consumers will never ever ever give them credit for. It's right. just, it's not sexy. It's not yeah. going to win them over in you know the in in the general consumer market. It's only the stuff that us Linux nerds care about. But it shows yep. that they're taking the right approach. And here's something they won't do that Google did. We've talked about how Android basically sold their souls to get themselves on uh, various mobile with various mobile carriers and various phones. And of course the you know carriers or the, the phones themselves would be bastardized with all the software and stuff. Valve won't do that. Valve stuff will remain pure. I believe that through and through. Yeah. That anyone they hook up with, they're not gonna, you're not going to see lots of, hey, get this new, you know, lots of uh, the little icons appearing all over your screen or any of that. Right. It's going to be great. It's going to be really solid. Wouldn't so, it be interesting, yeah. too, like if Roku eventually rolled out 
a Steam box because if they can take the platform oh, sure. and they just have to put a you know you could have the Roku maybe in three years the Roku XL is got a, you know a, a really good graphics processor in it and it it has the Steam uh, Steam OS on it or something like that. I think so. Well, and just to look historically at Roku, and I'm probably partially correct on this, and I think I am. If I remember correctly, the guys behind Roku are actually the guys behind Replay TV. Oh, these, yeah. These guys know what they're and doing. And Roku's Linux-based already. <laughs> yeah, it is Linux-based, and they, and they got it right. So I think that, yeah, if they did hook up with Roku, that would be very wise of them. Anybody could. I mean, you, you yeah. could just take – I mean, if the Boxy Box was to come around, say that, you know, we, if the Boxy Box guys time traveled to the future and created their product – why not base BoxyBox on Steambox? Exactly. And if you could, you know, maybe there's a way to do video and all that kind of stuff. Because sure. then you just get the advantage of the Steam library. It's like it's it's like when you ship an Android tablet, you want to be able to put the Play Store on there. Hey, bingo. Yeah. Exactly. All right, Matt. Well, I think that'll wrap us up for this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. Don't forget, you can contact us by going to jupiterbroadcasting.com and clicking that contact link and choosing Unplug from the dropdown. Or even better, start a thread on our subreddit over at linuxactionshow.reddit.com. Join us on Sunday. We've got a good show planned. Matt's going to help you secure your house with cameras and Linux. Oh, yes. On Sunday, and uh, we'll be doing some more SteamOS coverage and following that as well. We'd love to hear from you. You can also join us live on Tuesdays over at jblive.tv. We kick that off at 2 p.m. Pacific. Hey, by the way, calendar page has been updated. You can now select your time zone on the freaking calendar page. Pow. Makes it super Anywhere easy. in the world, not just U.S. That's right. Hey, Matt, have a great week. I'll see you on Sunday. Sounds good. See you then. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. See you right back here next week.